You're listening to the B-Side Podcast on Brick Radio. If you like what you hear or think there's an artist or band we should have in the studio, let us know in the comments. Otherwise, sit back, relax, tune in, and turn on. Nelson Mandela once said, there is no passion to be found playing small and that's settling for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. And that seems to be the, the mantra of tonight's guests. While the success of touring with the planet's finest musicians, along with an expansive discography, listing collaborations ranging from platinum-selling superstars to the more obscure might leave one with a sense of contentment. Chris Robb has used this success to improve not only himself, but everyone around him. All of this has laid the foundation for Chris Robb's reputation as a musician's musician and has brought his multifaceted talents to our studio tonight to share sounds of his fourth indie project, Sound of the Struggle. I'm your host, Kenyatta Beasley, and you need to keep it right here as Chris Robb fuses rock, hip-hop, and R&B into a universal sound that liberates the soul and elevates the spirit right here on B-Side. Sides, man. Uh, I've known you for years and a uh, big fan of your music. Can you uh, introduce the musicians that you brought with you to the stage tonight? Yes, indeed. Sure. I'm going to start over here. We have Sharif Hobley. Yeah. <laughs> Benji Alonso on percussion. <laughs> Matt Vorzema, the e-cushionist on drums. Antoine Katz on the bass. Jesse Fisher on keys. Abena Malika on vocals. And Tess on vocals. So the, uh, the opening song, that's from your, your latest record? Yeah, Sound uh, of the Struggle. Sound of the yes. Struggles. Uh, what, what was the inspiration behind uh, Sound of the Struggle? I just think right now, the time frame that we're living in is, is so much confusion and a, a lot of depression and a lot of people just really trying to figure out how to navigate through all the, the crazy events that's going on. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to speak to that, you know what I'm saying? To put songs out that had some healing to it, as opposed to just like a love song or, or like just a turn up song. I wanted stuff that people could take and process and right. think about the issues of racism and et cetera, et cetera. You know, when I was hearing the music and we were talking before uh, yesterday, um, one of the things that I got from the entire recording was that 
all the songs seem to have a sense of optimism. And hearing your explanation, that kind of like further drive, you know, it drives home that point. Was that was that purposeful, or you know, uh, did you want to like kind of be uplifting? Or? We need hope, man. We need hope, you know, to navigate through. A lot of people feel hopeless right now, and yeah. so I want to encourage people just hold on, uh, yeah, push through. So I mean, uh, you uh, speaking of hope, man, I, uh, <laughs> it, it reminds me of uh, Barack Obama, who's also. <laughs> from your hometown yes, indeed. of Chicago, Illinois. Can you tell us about how it was growing up? What was the musical atmosphere like back in uh, the Windy City? There were, there were a lot of uh, different sounds going on. You know, you had the jazz, you had the funk, you had hip hop, you had gospel, um, house music. I grew up in all those scenes. Right, Chicago it definitely yes. has like a house yes. and R&B scene, yes. right? right. So, yes, uh, so did you come up playing piano? Did you play any other instruments beforehand? Like, what's you know, what's your, you, any other musicians in the piano, family? Piano, drums, bass, and guitar. All right, so what made, what made you decide, hey, you know what, I like, I like piano the best? Uh, my mother really started me on piano. Uh, she's a very dynamic pianist, and my brother actually plays piano. My whole family plays, all my aunts and uncles, they all play um, piano. And mm -hmm. this was just always there. It was part of every family function, every family gathering. Mm -hmm. And so it was just kind of inevitable. I, I think I just took it as, you know, very, as far as I could. I so you're from that. a big musical family. So music is something that you've always just heard floating around or you're always in some kind of like musical, uh, musical event, you know, you're just surrounded by music as a kid all the time? Yes, very much so. In the church, um, just at home, as all my friends, a lot of my friends were musicians growing up, and we just did our thing as much as possible. Just I had no other choice, you know. <laughs> I, had to, I had to do this since I was destined for this. Bam, give it to me, come on. and bring you to New York. We're kind of moving moving ahead in time. At what point did you figure that you wanted to be a musician? It comes a day where you say, I want to do this for a living. At what point did you get to um, to that decision? That's a great question, man. I think after I saw Purple Rain, I really felt like, you know, it was like, you know, as a shorty, I, I, I saw, you know, Prince, he did his thing. And uh, I just knew that was the energy. I just remember how everybody was just so hype and excited. And, he was stirring all these emotions, and he was rocking out, and he was cool, he was on his bike, and the time was doing slides. I was like, yo, I gotta be part of this. Was it the motorcycle that really sold you, man? <laughs> or was it Apollonia 6? What, uh, what, 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 what was it, man? You know, we, we all have our secrets with reasons that we were it, it was some of all that, bro. It, it really was. That, I, I, I really feel like I that was a turning it. point for me. Like, so I knew at a very young age that I wanted to do this. So you, you're obviously a trained musician. You went to Chicago Musical College. Yes. So uh, did did you do the entire? Um, you did like the entire four years, or did you? Uh, I, I I knocked it out. I knocked it out. It was off in the one. 
you know, because uh, I started touring like right after my maybe my second third year in college. Uh -huh. That's when I really first started touring and doing a lot. So less sleep, less getting up to go downtown and to get on the train and and do the, the schooling. And so finally, I came back. So you were gigging, you were gigging quite a bit when you were back in Chicago, yeah. and so you were going on the road and, and performing with different artists at that point. Yeah, I started touring around probably about 19. Okay. I did my first overseas tour because prior to that, I had been playing around the city, and playing the jazz club since I was about 13, 14. I, I really jumped in the scene kind of early and. They let you in the jazz club. They let me. In the, they let me in the jazz clubs that early. Yes, did you, they did. Did you like grow teacher, your mustache out or something? The pool or what? what what's I mean, up? I, we, did you wear Chicago, that shirt? They, they got the love. They got the love for the musicians there, and, and so they see the young musicians coming up, and they were like, "Come on in," you know, and they 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 would let you come up and, and do your thing if they saw that you were serious about it. Okay, you know? so you're starting to get your feet wet and touring, and you're playing. What made you decide that um, you know what? I'm ready to come to the you know to New York. I got out of college and where I had started a record label with mm -hmm. someone in Chicago and I just could see that there was going to be a ceiling there. Mm -hmm. I, I could feel like I wasn't going to get what I needed, like, what's the word I'm really looking for? Like, I, I could just tell there was another part to the journey I had to get to before I really Just to raise your level artistically as well? All around, just as a musician, as an artist, as a producer, as a, um, as a businessman in this, just... I knew that I had to go dip my feet in New York waters. Wings take flight, soaring through long dark nights, till I could find my joy again. I won't sleep, reaching inside so deep, searching for healing for my pain. Um, man, you know, knowing you for, you know, I've known you for a while. I've known that you've worked with quite a bit, quite a few artists. Uh, Stevie Wonder to, uh, man, the list here, John Legend, Anita, ba Anita Baker, uh, Anthony Hamilton, Jill Scott, The Roots, Kanye. I mean, from all those different people that you've uh, maybe worked as a musical director for, been a side man, which one of those people, like, influenced you the most? as far as just being a leader? I would most likely say Roberta Flack. She would actually sit you down and talk to you. You know, like while I was touring with her for a couple of years, and mm -hmm. she was gonna give it to you. Mm -hmm. It was like moms, you know what I'm saying? She would just sit you down. And so we we were able to talk a lot and she's, you know, she's Roberta Flack. She's just a legend, she's classic. <laughs> and she's, you know, I learned a lot about um, dynamics from her and just being open to newness, being open to finding people the 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 greatness in everybody, that whatever their skill was, you know, that's that's what she did. She brought me on. She was like uh, the first time I played with her, the first couple of times that I went out with her, she had seen me play at a show with a friend of mine, Honey La Rochelle, who was on a tour with us as well on mm -hmm. the Roberta's tour, and you know I was going in at that show, just you know just doing my thing, whatever. So when I got to her gig. I was real mellow. And you was just kind of playing pads and, was, and she just sat me down. Like she was always gonna hit me in my head. Like, yo, what happened is it stuff you was playing? I was like, yo, that was all like new stuff. She was like, that's what, that's what I, I want. want. Yeah. Right, and yeah. so, and that's, 
And that's what it was about. Like she wanted you to shine and she wanted you to just just get it in. So in theory, she yeah. just allowed you to bring your natural character to her to her bandstand and let and she kind of let you just be Chris Robb. And so, she did that with with all the music. And she like basically she was a master teacher. She, everybody went through her band from uh, Marcus Miller to just everybody, everybody who you know. Uh, who came between the 80s and 90s and 2000. Everybody who's out there has done the thing, has probably, she's probably had them in her band at some point. So with all, these, and a bunch of with all these people that you played with, what do you consider to be your first big gig? That one where you can call your mom and say, hey mom, I'm playing with so-and-so, or your friends hear about it. They're like, man, Chris is doing what? Probably Stevie. The first time I played with Stevie in New York, I had just moved to New York. Um, and a couple months later, Stevie, after, Stevie Wonder. Oh, you, yeah. You're, you're, yeah, yeah, we, we're like uh, we Stevie Nicks, Stevie uh, Ray Vaughan. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can we? Can we be? Well, yeah, you can we be you a little more earlier. specific, please, sir? Stevie Wonder, the oh, guy with the glasses. And the <laughs> so the musician, Stones and Key of Life. Um, probably him, because um, I, I like I said, I just got to New York, and and. I basically, you know, it was funny because I was really at the time I was looking for, for a home. I, I didn't have a crib, so I was just kind of bouncing around. Wait, so as you you just moved to New York, I just got to New York, to and I still wasn't settled. Okay, you know, and so this was all going on. I got a call after playing with a, um, a couple friends. They, they, you know, some people I met. They were like, "Hey, you know, we're gonna get you on this gig for Stevie," mm -hmm. and I was mm -hmm. like, "Alright." Then I looked up <laughs> and we were there, and um, it was an artist empowerment coalition. Uh, which is Londell uh, McMillan, who was uh, attorney for Stevie and Roberta and Prince. And, um, it was a huge event that Stevie was a headliner. So they had DMX, Dougie Fresh, Roberta, um, all these people on there. And we were the house band and we played behind Stevie and we, you know, he came out and he did his thing. And what was wild about it was that the whole band, they just kind of, uh, nobody knew what he was going to do. So right. we just kind of rehearsed a few songs. Right. And, when he came out, he just went through a bunch of songs that people weren't really ready to do. But I, I knew his whole songbook because I just I just love Stevie. You know, you I study just, Stevie. So I was just playing along, and the band was just kind of, all right, we're gonna play on the next one. We're gonna play on the next, and then eventually they fell in. But it, but it was, it was an incredible event. The band sounded dope, and, and Stevie was just you know that was the moment I called mom. I'm playing with Stevie. I told you I was gonna do my it, baby, bro. My baby's playing with Stevie Wonder. Some funk, soul, 
you get to hear, hear you spit some hot fire. Uh, man, there's a lot of different elements, man. You're a great producer. Like, when you produce your records, how do you go about producing your records? Since you're influenced by so much. The music just kind of comes out, and the thing that's gravitating, that I'm gravitating to most, that's like, all right, yeah, like it's giving me that undeniable feeling where I'm like, yo, I would love to perform this live. I like to put this out, however it comes, if it's more of a hip hop essence or if it's more of a house essence, a dance, EDM, whatever, or if it's more funky, if it's more soulful. I just let it, you know, let it just create. You know, I spend a lot of time creating instrumentals mm -hmm. and uh, working with my band, you know, we'll jam out and stuff. And there's, some, there's something I'm like, yo, this is killing. This is killing, I'm feeling this, I gotta do something with this, then then that's the one I, I just kinda set, you know, I keep coming back to it and coming back to it. And then some of them, sometimes they just flow out like that. Sometimes the songs, they just they just come all at one time. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'll just go in the lab and it just, it just comes out. Or I'll wake up one morning, I'm like, yo, I gotta, I'm just hearing it completely. Mm -hmm. And then some things are a little more like puzzle pieces. So this, um, this is your fourth record as a leader. Um, man, what have you like up to this point? What have you learned from each one of the records that you know to get you to this point? Because every record is like a small learning experience, in, yes. a, in a sense. Yes, yes, it is. Um, mostly, I have learned that you have to put your best foot forward. You know, like you you shouldn't really let it out of the bag until it's it's at its best. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, um, because once you once it's out. And people hear it, and it's just like, all right, it's all right. They're like, man, I wonder, I should have really sang that verse, or I should have, I should have added this, or I should have, you know, you're thinking because you hear it over and over, and once it's out, you know, it's out. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you come back and remix it, or you could do something else with it, but that original thing, that original thought that you want to put out to the world, I feel like you, you got to do that, and um, that you, I, I feel like uh, you have to make sure it feels right for you if it's mm -hmm. not the right. Uh, musician on it, say you have somebody do something on it, you're still not feeling it, mm -hmm. you gotta go back, you gotta do it, you gotta freak it again, or you gotta get somebody else to do it, whatever the case may be. I feel like you just have to make it feel good to you. And I feel like it should say something. I feel like my projects, I wanna say something every time. I want people to walk away like, yo, I feel touched by these songs, you know, in some shape, form, or fashion. I don't wanna put out something where people just, I heard the songs. Yeah, it's cool. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not I'm, I don't feel that. So, when is this? When is this coming out? When is the sound, sound of the struggle coming out? When are you planning on releasing it? Sound of the struggle is actually has been released on physical copies, and um, we have really just officially started the marketing campaign for it. So, we released the first single. She's on the move. What platforms can we purchase, or you know, this 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 project? Um, Amazon. Uh, Stream it on Spotify, Apple Music. It'll be out there. Mm -hmm. You can get it. I mean, know. for the people who want to buy it. They want to buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bandcamp, it'll be available on there. It'll be available on iTunes. It'll mm -hmm. be, they just Google it and you'll find it. Pretty much. You can go to my website, chrisrobmusic.com, and it, it will send you there. Awesome. C H R S R O B M U S I C dot com. Next flight out to LA. Uh, 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 yeah. And the sun don't shine like it used to shine. Moving on with my body, but my.
It's no, it's no room in here. I'm gonna, I do all kind of stuff on that part of it. I'm gonna trip over her leg. Anyway, no we've gone way up and felt some positive vibes, and now we have to face that reality that we are out of time. I want to thank Chris Robb and his great band for heightening our sonic capacity, and be sure to pick up Chris Robb's new project, Sounds of the Struggle, wherever you buy or stream music, and keep up with Chris on Instagram and Twitter at Chris Rob Online. Once again, I'm Kenyatta Beasley, and I hope that you enjoyed this episode of B-Side. Be sure to check in or stop by our Brick House studio every Thursday to hear even more of the best music that Brooklyn has to offer. You can also check out this and past episodes anytime at youtube.com slash BrickTV. All right, Chris and the fellas and the ladies, <laughs> take us out with one more right after this. The B-Side Podcast is produced by Charlie Hoxie, Keisha Cole, Roe Johnson, and Sasha Mathias. Recorded by Onel Mulet and edited by Emily Bogosian. For more information on B-Side and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio. I see the tears you cry. I see the pain that's in your eyes. So many times.